the future of ERP is realized through a set of interoperable modules, which are connected through a digital core in the cloud. And it enables organizations to build the agility and resilience they need to stay relevant, compete effectively, and serve the next wave of change whilst continuously delivering superior value to their shareholders. And with that, the future ERP becomes the central platform for continuous reinvention of an enterprise across its entire wider ecosystem of consumers, customers, and partners. Welcome to the Future of ERP podcast. My name is Richard Howells. I'm a Vice President for Thought Leadership for SAP's ERP finance and supply chain solutions. And today I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Oikyu. Hello, everyone. My name is Oikyu Gar. I'm a blogger, marketer, and podcaster in the area of ERP and supply chain at SAP. And today we are going to be discussing why the time is right for cloud ERP with Robert Bickel from Accenture. Hi, Robert. Could you please introduce yourself, your role at the company, and a little bit about why this topic is important to you? Hello, everyone, and thank you, Oiko and Richard, for having me today in today's discussion. I'm Managing Director at Accenture and overseeing Accenture's global business that we are doing together with SAP for S4 and SAP Cloud on also running our Center of Excellence for SAP Transformation. What type of challenges, disruption, or opportunities that are driving cloud adoption today? Maybe we can start with that. Yeah, I think every company today recognizes the opportunity that sits behind the cloud and how it helps to drive transformation and innovation and accelerated business value creation. On the challenging side, what we often observe is actually that companies that have very strong culture, which are deeply rooted in experience, have almost like a psychological exit barrier to leave behind some of the established ways of how they execute their business, which has proven them well for many decades, and then jump towards a complete mindset around growth and how they enable their business and let go of a feeling of control that they execute via vertically integrated then technologies that are very much focused on enabling operational excellence towards a world where you are building your technology backbone with more modular components, which are cloud native and run according to SaaS principles. So behind that sits a very deep mindset shift. And the, most companies have a bit of an exit barrier, how they overcome that mindset and fully adopt the cloud as it comes. Because cloud is by far more than just hosting workloads, right, in a different way and provide then compute and storage. It's actually a fundamental mindset shift, how you run your business, how you organize your business, and how you embrace technology evolution. We had an interesting discussion on the backstage about this, and maybe you can give your perspective to our listeners too. What does in the cloud actually mean? Yeah, very good question, Oiko. And I alluded already to it a little bit. So first of all, statement, the cloud goes beyond the thing of where workloads are hosted. So when we saw the cloud investments coming and the cloud evolution starting, the whole discussion was to basically migrate workloads onto the cloud. But in itself, this is no more different than a way of providing compute and storage. With that, you are kind of in the cloud, but not really. I think we should talk about the cloud or being in the cloud more like a continuum. In its most simple terms, you may define it as the percentage of your business capabilities, which are enabled by as-a-service solutions, be it on an infrastructure, platform, or software level. 
from your most central production facility to the most outer edge of your business operations, call it a vending machine somewhere out there in a small village. And almost any company today actually has an increasing mix of PaaS and SaaS solutions, as well as composable technologies as part of the enterprise architecture. So you may argue that we all are increasingly running our enterprise operations according to cloud-native and SaaS principles. So we are, from that perspective, in the cloud. And now comes my last point, the mindset. So if you take the concept of being in the cloud one level further, it's actually defining an organization's way of working with a mindset of being a consumer of the cloud. This essentially redefines how you're looking at skills and talent required for the future, which partners you choose to achieve your business ambitions, and where to focus your financial and human resources to drive competitive differentiation along your prime value chain. So it goes from infrastructure and obviously migrating your workloads, that's table stakes, then really in the cloud is a continuum across your entire business operations from central to the edge. And last but not least, it's actually a mindset how you run and operate your business. I love that concept of a cloud mindset and changing the way that your company thinks and the people that you hire and training the people to be able to adopt and leverage this. And, and we're seeing this in our personal lives as well. We're Everything that I use now, it seems to be in the cloud. So as we move to a business perspective, we're talking about the title of this podcast is why is the time right for cloud ERP? So why now? What drives companies to accelerate some of the things that you mentioned, the adoption of cloud, software as a service, modular components, and that's usually done through composable ERP. So what are driving these initiatives? So if you look at the business context that we are all in, there is an unprecedented wave of disruption in economic, social, geopolitical, climate, consumer, and technology spheres. They are forcing most organizations to rethink every part of their operations at the same time. And that's the key difference. It's all at the same time. There is a requirement to do it fast because resources are more limited and we don't know what the next fundamental change that will impact us will be made of. As a consequence of it, to keep on doing this rethinking of the entire operations in a continuous cycle of reinvention and transformation. So there's a fairly different paradigm that we need to think if we look at our context that we are operating in today. And that's not just pandemic that triggered this. If we look at global disruption index that we as Accenture publish each year, it has grown from 87 to almost 210% in the last five years. And it is a result of a lot of things that companies need to deal with. Now, putting yourself in a mindset that this is probably the new normal, is that continuous disruption and change we are exposed to, you need to adopt a strategy which we refer to total enterprise reinvention. It enables our clients to rethink how they acquire the agility and resilience they need to stay relevant, compete effectively, and serve each next wave of change and disruption in a way so that they can continuously deliver superior value to their shareholders. That whole concept of total enterprise reinvention is very interesting because as businesses, we have to adapt and respond to change and even see around corners and predict what's going to happen next. So what are some of the characteristics that 
we're talking about when we talk about total enterprise reinvention? If we look at our research that we do across our clients, there is a certain pattern that arises from companies that master this unprecedented wave of disruption with a total enterprise reinvention strategy. And number one is they think of reinvention in itself as a strategy. It is not a one-off that they reassemble their business or modernize their business. They actually set themselves up purposefully to have transformation almost as a business as usual and capability. So it forms their strategy in a certain way that they can adapt to business needs almost in near real time. Second is it's a way about how you think about benchmarks and what is actually the art of the possible. If you just look at technology evolution, you would ask yourself, right, in two years from now, that you need to focus your company and your human capital on the things that ChatGPT can't do for you as a company. So it drives a fundamentally different thinking and reinvention is about embracing what technology not just can do for you today, but embracing what it will be able to do for you in 12 to 24 months from now, because it is evolving at an exponential speed. This also then puts the question of talent and your culture and the people impact in a central spot. Historically speaking, we were thinking about transformation more like we have a certain change in our business strategy, we change the steering model of the company, we have M&A going on, whatever triggers it, right? Translating it into an operating model, into processes, derive a certain data model, modernize the technology backbone according to it, and then train the people to use these new technologies. And that's actually probably fundamentally wrong. The way you need to take your people along in a journey where you basically rethink the way you operate the business in totality because you are exposed to these external forces requires you to have a very precise perspective on the cultural and talent interventions you want to drive. Next element on total enterprise reinvention is it is more than just your own organization. So you need to obviously overcome any transformation, the boundaries and silos that may sit within your organization, but it's actually encouraging you to think beyond and to embrace your wider ecosystem of customers, of consumers, of the partners you are working with in order to think holistically how you can actually succeed in the industry you're in. And by the way, most large organizations are not just in one industry. They have a blurring mix of several business models they are executing against. And then there is a key theme that actually brings us here together is how to look at the technology core you are building. So it is thinking about the digital core you're investing in continuously as a source of competitive advantage and how it actually enables you to execute your business, not just in a one-off in a different way, but to continuously adapt your business in order to stay competitively differentiated in a future that may have many surprises in the way we need to react to it. That idea of being able to change as the business needs change becomes very critical because change is coming faster and faster. That's one thing that we're seeing since the pandemic is that the famous saying goes, the only constant is change itself. And technology plays a huge part in that. And you mentioned the concept of a digital core. I'm hearing a lot about this digital core, but from your perspective, what exactly is 
a digital core and how do companies achieve it? There, you're completely right. There's a lot of discussion in point of views across the professional services at an industry, as well as obviously across the cloud platform providers, what actually constitutes a digital core. And if we would talk about it very generically, then a digital core is a combination of the cloud infrastructure you're investing in, the security that you build in by design, a combination of applications and platforms that you run on top of that infrastructure. But then very importantly, it is about the way you integrate between those elements, how you actually build out your data foundation, how you use intelligent technologies to enable business processes and capabilities in a different way, and how you actually manage the end-to-end -end performance of that cloudified then estate in a very transparent way. Now, this is the enterprise architecture then perspective. If you take a more platform-centric then perspective, a digital core is about embracing certain ways of how you compose it. So if you think about SAP today, right, it's about how you embrace actually the increasing feature set that SAP and, for example, S4HANA Cloud offers you with each release and to use it as close to the standard as possible. So why you are doing it? Because it allows you actually to accelerate transformation and reduce your total cost of ownership, not just for implementing it, but also for maintaining it going into the future in an evergreen way. You then think very strategically about your investment in differentiated capabilities and experience that you want to drive as a business, which may not be supported in the same way, out-of-the-box capabilities as you may want it. So you invest into connected applications that actually drive what we refer to as 360-degree value creation for your stakeholders. And you combine all these connected applications and more differentiated capabilities with your foundational platform that you're investing in, for example, with SAP, through composable then technologies that allow you to drive seamless collaboration and enhanced insight across your organization. And last but not least, and I think we repeatedly said this um, in our discussion already, it's all about leveraging cloud solutions and as a service principles, right, to design, build, and run that digital core in order to sustain a continuous level of innovation that you almost automatically get if you use these type of components as close as possible to their standards and the way they have been designed in the cloud. So one of the things that I've heard a lot as when we talk about the digital core is the concept of the 80-20 rule of determining what are your key differentiators as a company? And just as importantly, what are common processes that you don't need to be differentiated by? So for example, every company invoices the same way. Why would you customize your invoicing process? How does it vary company to company? Of what would be a differentiator and what would need to be customized versus what they should use as a standard? Any advice there? What is really important, if you think about your future strategy and how you build out your digital core, is exactly what you were saying, Richard, is to be razor sharp in identifying and deciding which capabilities and which processes are actually strategically differentiating you either from a business model perspective, because you have a business model that is 
to a certain extent unique as a company and or because you have certain market differentiation that you need to drive because you're active across 90 different markets or regulatory then regimes where basically you need to adapt to. And you need to differentiate this well from the processes and capabilities that actually do not drive any value. And this does not mean they are not mission critical. The point is you wouldn't sell a single product or service more in the way you run it. You just need to run it with high operational and excellence, but it's not actually competitively differentiating you. So hence, investing into something which would require you to customize certain products from a technology then perspective and with that impede your way how you can drive innovation and agility across your company wouldn't make sense. So your return on invest in that customization of these non-differentiating processes is close to zero. If you look across industries, you might argue that in more product-centric industries, at least 60% of the processes are actually non-differentiating. If you are in services-centric in industries, it can easily be 80 plus percent that right. are there. And if you have it as a strategic then objective, you can obviously dial these values up. But there is a clear fundament where a platform like SAP S4HANA today does a brilliant job in enabling 60 plus percent of every company's process with the out-of-the-box standards they offer. Just to change topics a little bit, you've alluded to the concept of composable architecture. So maybe we can drill down into that a little bit. How can a composable architecture accelerate transformation and enable business value? So if you look at the nature of a composable architecture, and I alluded to it a little bit, so you have the kind of four conceptual layers. You have your cloud infrastructure. You have these foundational platforms, which I was just referring to, which is your SAP S4 for supply chain, for example, and in finance, it may be your Salesforce, Ford, and CRM workday or success factors for your HR domain, but you use them as foundational platforms with clean core principles, meaning you use it with out-of-the-box capabilities. And then you have an interoperability layer on top of it that orchestrates the way you organize data and integrations across your application stack and to enable almost a strategic control point how you protect that foundational platform layer from business change that you should expose to in a more agile way to connect it to the applications. So what this translates to, the important point is here that actually because of the way you design it, because of the way you look at what really differentiates you compared to what is not competitively differentiating you and what you tend to put more in the out-of-the-box and foundational part of your ERP, it allows you to basically reduce your total cost of ownership of that ERP domain. Almost flip upside down the ratio between discretionary and non-discretionary spend. You need to invest continuously into advancing your capabilities. And with that, if you think about transformational investments, it just increases the return on them that you can gain on enterprise level. It also helps you because you're using more standards and industry best practices that you get out of the box to drive improved operational excellence at a significantly lower cost to serve compared to a world where you need to work through a high level of customizations. And the key point for me actually with thinking about in the modern way how you design for interoperability that keeps you 
evergreen, e.g. with BTP, cloud platform integration, and with data sphere. It's actually your ability to leverage data and insights at scale. And with that, the ability that you can grow, expand, and innovate your business around a single source of truth that powers your decision-making almost in a near real-time way with the available data across your, your company. With all that set, it helps you to accelerate at an innovation that you get with those modern cloud platforms. And in turn, all of it together, it becomes a source of competitive advantage. So Robert, we've talked about a lot of things in this podcast so far. We've talked about the value of the cloud and software as a service, how to determine what your digital core is and what are your business differentiators and developing business systems with composable architecture. So there's a lot going on and possibly new concepts to many listeners. So how can Accenture help navigate this journey? The starting point is we help organizations to think and shape their thinking around total enterprise and then reinvention by looking at their digital core and the current state and start designing a kind of future North Star for it according to their strategic context. Help them to re-platform to the cloud with SAP and with that to address multiple parts of their organization at once. So we refer to this concept as compressed transformation with SAP technologies. And we disentangle the challenge and improve the risk return profile of that journey that companies are going through in one form or the other by focusing on three levers. One is how we lead with data to identify the opportunities to standardize, eliminate non-value adding efforts, target business outcomes from new ways of working, and to redirect investments, resources, and efforts where they help to accelerate value creation for our clients. So it's very forensic and precise. What are the best next steps then to take as you look how you transform your entire organization? Number two of the levers are is how we augment delivery with innovation and next-gen technologies and pre-configured assets to live at an accelerated pace and with certainty across these type of programs. And last but definitely not least is how we work together with our clients to empower people through targeted cultural talent and change interventions to help them adopt new ways of working in a smart and non-disruptive ways. Robert, we're at the end of the podcast and we have a question that we ask all of our guests. So if you had to summarize in a sentence or two, what is the future of ERP for you? I think the future of ERP is realized through a set of interoperable modules, which are connected through a digital core in the cloud. And it enables organizations to build the agility and resilience they need to stay relevant, compete effectively, and serve the next wave of change whilst continuously delivering superior value to their shareholders. And with that, the future ERP becomes the central platform for continuous reinvention of an enterprise across its entire wider ecosystem of consumers, customers, and partners. That's a great recap of this conversation, Robert. Thanks very much. Thank you, Richard and Oiko. And thanks everyone for listening. Please mark us as a favorite and you can get regular updates and information about future episodes. But until next time, from Robert, Oiko and I, thank you for discussing the future of ERP.